Alrighty everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on this snowy, snowy morning of March 27th, 2023. That's right, virtually one quarter of the way through this year, and we still have some new snow on the ground. Nothing to be surprised of in Colorado, but I am excited to get back outside and playing golf without the need of three layers up top. Funny thing is that even with that getup, I still find a way to get absolutely roasted by the sun. But you didn't come here to listen to me rant about my most recent sunburn in the cold, cold weather. I'd wager that you rather came here to listen to all the news and statistics regarding the energy industry. So, let's do it. WTI has been heavily toying with our emotions this month. The first few days of March had several hours above that $80 ceiling that we had been fighting for so long. Since then, it has plummeted to as low as $85. If you had been watching the price last Friday, you may have had a scare in the morning as the price absolutely dropped off a cliff, falling about a dollar an hour before quickly turning around. This morning, it's actually been quite graceful to us as it has already gone up over a dollar from opening. Currently sits at 71.16, which is not the high 70s that we've come to be used to, but it could be a whole lot lower, so let's not complain too much. Brent looks the exact same at a now less than $6 premium. Natural gas has spent the same month-long time frame falling from $3 to $2 flat this morning. If I had to guess, this is likely where the price will sit for some time, if not lower. U.S. markets just can't service European interest, even with the French protests, though that could also have something to do with the U.S. supposed involvement in the bombing of the Nord Stream pipeline. Natural gas is certainly not the strongest commodity at the moment, but I'm sure it will have its day. Next is the rig count. Last week, we were surprised with the first build in weeks, and that trend seems set to continue. Four more rigs, which brings the total to 758, or 88 more rigs than we had this time last year. Of course, the big mover was the Permian with three new rigs. Otherwise, the Can of Woodford and DJ each put up one of their own. The Granite Wash and Mississippian each lost one. From a state perspective, it was actually New Mexico up two, while Texas, Colorado, and Louisiana followed with one rig. Only Oklahoma dropped rigs at a state level, but they only lost one. The Gulf of Mexico also added one to the offshore total. So, yeah, not a lot of action, but a pleasant surprise to see two weeks of rig builds. But things may be changing quickly with these depressed commodity prices. So, enjoy the small wins this week, but I imagine a lot of those rigs are probably coming down pretty soon. Last statistic to visit is the state of domestic inventories. Typically, Nick Fernhout covers us on Thirsty Thursday, but last week, he was on spring break and probably had an actual Thirsty Thursday of his own. So, <laughs> here are some quick statistics to get you caught up. The EIA predicted a slight 1.5 million barrel drawdown, but ended up reporting just over a million barrels in a build. The API made a much similar drawdown prediction, but reported a build of more than 3.2 million barrels. This is now the second build in a row, fresh off of that 10-week streak, though the builds do seem to be decreasing in magnitude, you know, knock on wood. Sure, it's too early to take too much of a stance on a prediction, but this time last year, we saw a few significant builds, so we'll just have to see what Q2 brings us. Fuel prices seem to be stabilizing in the mid $3 range for most grids nationwide, despite gasoline once again breaking below its historical five-year range of domestic supply. 
With summer around the corner, it's pretty safe to say that we can expect to see some fuel prices go right back up in the coming months with increased driving activity. I recommend you road trip down to Missouri, where the gas is back below $3 a gallon on average. Hawaii relinquishes the crown for king of the most expensive gasoline as it finds its way back to California, where it has remained for most of the past three years, but I'm sure it was nice to have a little bit of a break. Even diesel seems to be settling down a bit, as it is five cents cheaper when compared to last week's prices. Dissolute stocks are falling, and tease of breaking out of the five-year historical range after only about six weeks of being in that historically normal territory. Propane is threatening to do the opposite and break out above, though this one tends to pull back just before things get too squirrely. Overall, pretty normal week compared to recent months. Crew build and slight decrease in most other petroleum products. That rounds off all of our statistics. Our first news story regards international law. Iraq has just won a landmark case against Turkey regarding Kurdish oil exports. The government in Baghdad has long considered these exports illegal. Believe it or not, this dispute has gone on for nine years. Essentially, the Kurds are a near-autonomous region in Iraq. They are represented by the Kurdistan national government and have flowed oil from the Kurdish region of Iraq to Turkey. The Kurds loved it because they made a good deal of revenue. The Turks loved it because it allowed them to access more energy resources. Iraq didn't love it because it was more supply to local customers that was likely affecting their prices, which is tough as OPEC's second largest producer. They took the disagreement to the International Chamber of Commerce's International Court of Arbitration as Iraq claimed Turkey was violating an old pipeline agreement from 1973. Basically, Iraq claimed Turkey was allowing the Kurds to export their oil to Turkey without Baghdad's consent and violated the agreement. The court decided Iraq was right, fined Turkey $1.5 billion, which was apparently far lower than what Baghdad had asked for originally, and now the Iraqi and Kurdish government are excited to establish tools for overcoming this arbitration boundary, or so they say. Seems to me like Turkey got the worst end of the deal, all after having that earthquake that has still left many of these Turks devastated. Turkey was originally receiving about 75,000 barrels per day from Iraq, and as much as 440,000 barrels per day from the Kurds. Yeah, 440,000 as compared to Iraq's 75,000. That's a whole lot of oil. This is only an estimate as the region does not report its exports, but this will likely have two effects. Firstly, it makes Turkey that much more dependent on Russia, despite already importing 50% of their energy from Russia as recently as December. Secondly, it will likely cause major conflict between the Kurds and Iraqis. This oil revenue of half a million barrels a day was about the only way they could maintain independence from Baghdad, but this will not end here, and I would argue this is likely why Iraq pursued it this way. Turkey can pay the fine, the Kurds can't make any more revenue, could get a little bit violent. With Russia delivering more energy to Turkey, they're probably getting more cozy with folks in the Middle East and the surrounding area, but you can find news on that joint cooperation of China and Russia and the rest of the world as long as you Google it, and I highly encourage you to do so. I won't be getting into it in Monday Madness because, well, one, it's just a bit too long, and two, it's kind of hard to relate it specifically to energy. Much broader scope, and I really encourage you to do a little bit of research yourself. Next, and... Our last story, we've got a quick update on worldwide labor strikes. They will soon begin in Germany, have just kicked off in the UK offshore environment, and continue to grow in France. 
Last time we talked, I believe we mentioned the LNG ports were shut down as workers simply left in protest of the forced raising of the retirement age by two years. Well, that has since spread to refineries. Exxon's Port Jerome refinery, well, and do excuse me with these names, I do not speak any French and I'm sure I am butchering it. The Port Jerome refinery processes 236,000 barrels per day. Well, I should say it processed. It has since been shut down as of this morning, and we add another tally to the number of closed refineries in France. Outside of this one, there are also three other closed refineries. Total Energy's Gonfreville and Donges, with capacity of 247,000 and 219,000 respectively, along with Petroinios's 207,000 barrel per day refinery in Lavera. That's over 900,000 barrels in daily refining capacity for those of you playing at home. Both Total and Exxon hold most of the refining capacity in France, so I really am excited to see how the French government reacts. We've got a whole lot closed down, and it's only a matter of time before you run out of petrochemicals in the domestic markets. As a matter of fact, I don't have it written in the script, but I do believe that the police made a couple of workers open one of these refineries to get out jet fuel to be used in the airport. So, makes you ask... What good is shifting the retirement age to two years greater if your people spend months halting all development within the country and losing out on billions of GDP? I suppose it's up to Macron to see if his push for the vote without Parliament's approval was worth it. But folks, that's all we have for today. We've got another episode of The Wacky World of Energy, which should be coming out in just a week or two, where we start to talk about the growing influences of China and Russia as they play nice and build bridges all over Europe, specifically in the Middle East. I'd love to talk about it in this podcast, but the discussion gets to be too in-depth and enlightening to fit into one episode. So frack that follow button and you won't miss out. Otherwise, you can always count on myself and the Nickturns to continue to bring great podcasts and periodicals to the table. If we aren't releasing fast enough for your liking, go ahead and check out www.rarepetro.com as we have multiple years worth of backlogged articles, periodicals, podcasts, video interviews, and way more. We enjoy doing the research to learn more about the world around us, especially with regards to energy, and we would be delighted to see you here again the next week. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody. 